At Silver Lining Herbs, our mission is to deliver natural health products and education that help provide optimal care for yourself and your animals. With countless products for your horses, dogs, and the whole family, we have something to offer for just about anything. Visit our website at www.silverliningherbs.com or give us a call at 866-543-6956. Silver Lining Herbs, the standard for a healthy life. Welcome back to another episode of Tack Room Talk. I got an intimidating host or a, a co-host or, or what do we call him? And a guest. You're a guest in our show. Guest. It's intimidating in the fact that you're the one behind the mic always always we got drew stew in the house drew Man, stewart there's nothing intimidating about this guy you know especially when i'm sitting across from one of my old pals from way back we've been buddies since what we're 12 years old 13 years old hey you know it started off that we didn't know we liked each other yeah i yeah. mean you're a montana guy idaho what a deal it huh? was like we're we were <laughs> we were uh you know beating up on each other at the bible camps the rodeo yep. bible camps that's where we met that's it that's it we're in jerome is that where jerome we're in jerome. jerome montana oh man i got in so much trouble with that deal <laughs> i just i just wouldn't quit you would not quit i was persistent i was a high driver at a young age that was say that that's so it's funny though looking back i mean that is where it all started it's it was. so funny sitting there all of us kids there was chance bernal yep chance bernal i can't remember uh mike smith i think from there and in, in idaho uh, I, jesse bell was there yes yeah remember that mm-hmm, i do and then i'm trying to th- i think there was a couple other guys there yeah, it was a lot of fun. We were everybody sleeping in that big room, and then you'd hear Josie Montana. <laughs> they actually separated me from the whole group because everybody would be under one roof. And actually, they had the remember they had the curtain yeah, that had went the cur- across. Yep. The girls had to sleep on the one side of the curtain, and the guys on the other yep. side. Yep. And my antics kept everybody up, and they just got so sick of me. I'm just glad it was you because I was always that kid too, and I'm like, wow, I'm not in trouble. Josie's in trouble. This is perfect. <laughs> Well, they always say that if you want to if you want to make a statement, you got to stand out. And yeah. I was trying to stand out. Yeah, you were doing. You've been doing it for a long time. Yeah, but you were you were there roping, mm-hmm. and, calf uh, roping. As I was there, calf roping. He was there calf Paul roping. Tierney was there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was that was uh, that was fun to go to. It is fun going to those things. As, you know, I just glad I had the opportunity as a, as a child to go to those deals. But these kids these days, holy cow, what do they got in front of them to learn from? I'm telling you what, it's a different world. I mean, you think about we. It isn't it crazy to say that we didn't have YouTube. Mm. We didn't. I mean, our generation. Who? I mean, just like this podcast we're doing. We live in social media. We live in the digital world, mm. but we didn't have any of that stuff. And we were watching those tapes. We were literally watching the tapes. And these kids have so much more. I hate to say the word opportunity, but that's what it is. They've got better access to it all. You know, they've got yeah. guys like you doing what you're doing, and and the YouTube stuff I've done, plus all of the greats and what they've done, and. The X factors and the roping.coms and everything else. And then, I mean, it's just amazing. And, it, and it's showing. I mean, yeah. look, look at this Huey Jr. BFI that we had a couple days ago. For sure. I I actually was watching uh, I was watching a TikTok or a, I don't know, one of the social platforms. 
and I seen this group of kids that were playing a game of pig. Oh boy. I used to play pig a lot. I used to love to play pig and, and I'd always practice. I, but man, I don't know if I dare stick my neck out there these days. Not anymore. Remember when you and I played pig, where were we at the hard rock or something? Something. Yeah. Actually, In Vegas. Wasn't it hard rock? Actually it was, uh, wasn't it the after party at, uh, planet hollywood yes it was planet hollywood that's, that's right it was yeah we yeah. did a little pig there i got schooled uh, gosh dang it i was oh. i was working at it then yeah I, I, you would probably school me now oh i don't know i haven't played pig in a long time that's what we should have done we should play a little pig gosh dang i think uh we're gonna have to uh do a part two absolutely and we'll do a pig podcast there you go pig podcast pig podcast yeah that kind of rolls good? off the tongue uh, yeah right <laughs> I was like, what is this about oh so you'll see I want to go back. Um, I always like to start the podcast off with where did you come from? What did you do to get to where you are now? And what was that kind of, a, a, you know, a backstory of your life till now? Okay. So I'm from Western Montana. I'm from the Bitterroot Valley, which is over by Missoula, Montana. It's kind of the biggest city that everybody knows. A little town called Hamilton, right where Yellowstone's shot. And, Probably uh, the prettiest place on earth. I pretty would, dang close. I would dare say. Pretty dang close. Yeah, very, very fortunate. Grew up in the Bitterroot Valley. Uh, my dad owns an excavation company. Actually just sold it here two weeks ago, so he's finally retiring and gets to go to Arizona and hang out. But mom and dad are from there. My mom's dad had a big ranch, ran a bunch of cows, Herefords, Blacks. We always had about 500 head of mama cows. And anywhere from 400 to, I don't know if we ever had 1,000 head of sheep or not. That was... As, as much as you gave us heck about it, that's kind of an Idaho deal, but, uh, <laughs> so grew, grew up running excavator and bailing hay basically. Yeah. And, um, I don't come from a, a rodeo family. My dad and I started roping at the same time when I was about 12 or so. Mm-hmm. And, uh, dad fell in love with it. I fell in love with it. Uh, there was a family called the Renneker family up there, Dwayne Renneker, Lloyd Renneker. Lloyd ended up being the coach at the university of Montana where I went to school and rodeoed for him for a few years and so um you know played baseball wrestled and high school rodeo that was kind of kind of my gig i guess yeah so i just i just had a conversation with phil haugen uh horsemanship and uh man he's he's from north dakota Mm -hmm. and uh you know we had talked about you know i'm from idaho you're from montana north dakota all this north country winters are tough you know uh still still the old west in a lot of places Mm -hmm. and just the hard work and the the things that you do especially in the winter time i mean you know this when you go to a winter roping in montana indoor arena usually smaller than it should be return alleys on the outside steers muddy to their hawks wet go through eight ropes that night um baby powder out the yin yang you know colder Uh, inside than it is outside absolutely yeah um but now there he lives down here in the south but he says this is where i live this is where i call home but that's what made me guaranteed 100 percent. just the the work ethic and i'm not taking away from anybody that's down here by any means but just knowing that hey we can go somewhere that the climate's a little better yeah but he talks about all the ropers migrating south all of them have yeah uh, i mean the, the the town you know lipan texas is where all the team ropers live now but that's not where they're all from yeah. none of them are from there yeah you know well jade corkill still claims uh nevada as home yeah absolutely. i'm like you live in texas and it, you have for a while it breaks my heart i was just telling gr carter this a minute ago he he said man you're an okie now 
My twin boys are born in Oklahoma. They have Oklahoma on their birth certificate, and it breaks my heart every time I think about it. Like, I know. Like, never in a million years would I put think I, I have an Oklahoma driver's license. I'm a Montana boy, period. Do you just, still have a Montana license? No, I had, oh. I had to get all legal and stuff down yeah. here, you know. So, But you're absolutely right, man. We... That's what made it fun. We so we had uh, Bill Mitty, you know, just passed yeah. away here a little bit ago. Was where we went and roped at Mitty's Arena with Corey and the family and Sandy, and so we would go there a couple nights a week. And it was cold. I mean, it's up Lolo Creek. It's cold. Mm-hmm. it's literally if it's zero outside, it's probably ten below up there. Yeah, real speak. Yeah, and that's where we would go rope. They had a couple uh, a couple <laughs> fireplaces at each end of that arena, and we'd throw logs in. You know, try to the day before we'd go up and help throw logs and try to get just take the edge off the cold a little bit, and that's yeah. where we'd rope. Same deal, return alley on the outside. You're exactly right. Those steers would be muddy. Yeah, crack the door open, run the steers around, freeze to death for about two minutes. We brought the steers back. Yeah, and uh, you know one thing that was cool that I missed though is when you would get done rope and all the humidity in the air when you'd open the garage door and everybody'd leave. Yeah. And that mist would roll in, and there'd be about, like, two or three feet of fog in the arena floor. Yeah. I wish we'd have had cell phones to take pictures of that, because it was cool. Like, you couldn't even see the arena floor, because that'll, it would condensate when that cold came in, and it was just I'm, cool. I'm sure it still happens today, but neither one of us are where yeah, it I'm does not that. that. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I haven't roped there in a long time. I'm so spoiled now. I'm like, well, I took my horses to... Um, to arizona in november yeah i just brought him home to idaho what a week and a half two weeks ago maybe yeah, yeah. and uh i'm like no not doing it no more yeah. i'll you know i fortunate enough i run the company now so my dad stayed in arizona all winter and i says you're, you're gonna have a couple extra horses to feed so yeah here you go yeah but uh no that that was that was awesome but uh you know these days you're behind the mic mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm I mean, how did you transition and what got you started in, in that? So the, uh, uh, the Rasmussen family, mm-hmm. Will Rasmussen, Flint Rasmussen, Stan and Tootie and Pete, they're my, they're like second cousins on my dad's side. Yeah. So when Stan and Will used to announce a bunch of the rodeos and back then Flint would still do clown work, like the NRA rodeos and yeah. stuff like that. So, um, we, we would ross wagner and i mm-hmm. when we were like freshmen sophomores we would get messing around and go up on the microphone and just announce when stan or will was there because they'd let us do it yeah and it was like ladies and gentlemen blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know it was so it was so phony you know yeah. but that's how it that's how every young announcer starts because you're like yeah. well here we go blah, blah. just like i was talking with my co-host yeah earlier. exactly chance i am talking about you Hello, Chance. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> so oh, we, we he's going to kill me. <laughs> that's awesome. We would we would go mess around, and then it started kind of turning into a little bit more. Like then it got to be like, hey, come up and announce. We want to go take a break. You can announce the oh, pole yeah. bending and the barrel racing or yeah. something like that. So hey, why did you choose the pole bending and the barrel racing? There's God, a, there's just because that's where every that's where every great announcer should have to cut their teeth. <laughs> <laughs> the old the old uh, cheesy. Uh, clown joke that says that barrel racing is the most dangerous event in rodeo. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. everybody's running on each other over to go to the concession stands. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> we got to be careful. There's a barrel racer. Yeah, Just kidding. Just kidding. No yeah. So, but my I my break my break in the deal was Stan called me one day 
called the house mom and dad's and said they got me on the phone he said hey are you going to the family family reunion in wisdom and i said yeah i'm planning on he said well you're not going i want to go there's an nra rodeo in harlow town and white sulfur springs this weekend two rodeos and i want you to go announce them for me i was Mm -hmm. like 16 17 somewhere right in there and i'm like oh okay so i went and announced those were my first that was like my my breakout in the amateur rodeos Mm -hmm. and that night one of the nights they were cow cutting the bull ride and the barrel racing i think yeah and they were like hey can you auctioneer and i was like hell yeah i can auction <laughs> i can auctioneer josie i'd never even dude this is i'd never even done it before this is on point this is everything we talk about being successful don't ever say you can't do anything just dive in and just do dive it. in and, and figure it out I dive love in it. and figure it out so they took me to the bar took me to the bar that night i stood up on the bar and i remember showing up to the bar and they weren't going to let me in, and I'm like, no, I'm here to, I'm here to auctioneer. Well, they'd never heard I'm that I'm the man one you need. Yeah, I'm the man for this job. <laughs> and I got up there and whatever, blah, 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 and that's what started auctioneer. Went to auctioneer school a few years later and whatever because I figured I'd better at least do that. And yeah. that's what started all was was the Rasmussen side of the family on the announcing for sure. So, is there ever any moments? Um, I'm sure there's times in the past, but like, do you have those times now where it's like it's that's my most fearful thing about being behind the mic and the only one behind the mic is the fact that like if you have to fill in dead area it's the worst like i get nervous to this day flipping the switch on yeah swear to god i'm i'm telling you like it amazes me it's it's no it's no wonder why bob tallman is the greatest that ever lived because i have listened to him i've literally been at rodeos where there's been an accident happen mm-hmm. and there's a lot of rodeos where the announcer will say a few things and then the sound man takes it over and just mm-hmm. plays music. Mm-hmm. Well, then it leaves the, the everybody that's in the crowd wondering what's going on. Mm-hmm. The ability for Bob Tallman to keep going and, and say things to comfort the crowd mm-hmm. is out of this world. So Bob Tallman, when I, when I decided that I wanted to announce a little bit, uh, the the moment that like when I understood Bob Tallman, mm-hmm. if if that makes any sense, when I got it, yeah, was when he when they retired Bodacious, yeah. Mom and Dad were at the rodeo, watching alive. I was at Carl Tyler's house, I think, watching on the big screen at his place, and I was listening to Bob Tallman talk, and like you had tears in your eyes talking about this bull, yeah. right. And talking about tough story and lane and whatever he was talking yeah. about at that time. I don't remember exactly the words he said, but I remember the feeling. And what Bob can do is, as an announcer, nobody gives a shit about you as the announcer. And the bad thing is a lot of people with microphones have a pretty big ego. Yeah. What you have to care about is that person you're talking to. And you don't talk to the masses. You don't talk to 3,000 people. You talk to her. Yeah. And when you can master that, when you can master talking to that one person and do it 3,000 times all at one time, yeah, that's when you're the best. When you can talk to that one person and make them feel like this is the saddest moment or the happiest moment or the whatever it may be and explain to that one person over the microphone, that's the gift that Bob Tallman has mm-hmm. because it feels like he is talking to you. Yeah. It doesn't feel like he's announcing to the whole crowd at Reno. 
Mm-hmm. He's talking right there to you and making you get excited individually. And that was, I will never forget that because I, I, I still remember that conversation with myself listening to that saying, do not announce to a crowd, announce to an individual. Yeah. Here a few years ago when I started stepping in and running things at Silver Lining, um, we did a uh, kind of a tribute to my dad and what he's done for Silver Lining and his career and his, you know, just kind of the things he's done up to this point. And uh, the the gal that was doing the videography work and the and the camera work and stuff before before JoJo here, um, she we was going to interview. We was interviewing all of his, you know, old buddies and. And just random people will, you know, we've got a history with Bob and I've known Bob since I was an arm baby. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I said, uh, she had a, a list of questions that we were going to interview Bob. And I says, listen, I says, I'm going to, I'm going to say one thing and that's it. And I says, Bob will, Bob will take over. I says, you ain't going through all these questions. Yeah. I promise you. And she's like, Oh, yeah, whatever. I said, no, I promise you. So I went, I started off, I asked the very first question and he talked for probably 20 minutes Mm -hmm. and she was crying like literally she was sitting there filming and she was crying because she was talking about my dad and where he came from the first time that he seen him compete his his uh grit and determination and his will to win and you know just the the integrity he had inside the arena and out and just exemplified who he is as a person i mean he just he just goes off i mean i was over there sobbing like oh my god you know like this yeah. is this is this is where i come from you know yep. then it's like man you got to do a little better jesse because you know it makes me want to step up and be a better better person all the time you yeah. know i mean my dad's just been such a good example over the years and mm-hmm. very very big shoes to to fill but uh i'm happy to have him as my dad so but uh allowed me the opportunity to be involved in this rodeo world and 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 meet guys like you mm-hmm. and so um you know it's interesting because i that's why i like doing these podcasts is because i didn't realize that you weren't raised in the rodeo world not at all my dad my dad like when i would say i'd tell my dad hey uh whoever mike beers is going to come and stay at the house or mm-hmm. whoever yeah you know ryan bingham needs a place to keep his horse during yellowstone yeah my dad's like okay whatever yeah you know, you you don't know these people. I, I do know these like he totally removed from it. And now now later in life he yeah. knows. But before it wasn't so Josie, I didn't come from it. I remember I went so after college, I didn't graduate college because I was a total screw up. I drank way too much Crown Royal and just hated school. All I wanted to do was rope. And I had went down to Stephenville, Texas and talked to Bob at the the rodeo coach at Stephenville at Tarleton. Mm-hmm. And they're like, man, we got a ton of team ropers and calf ropers. So we're all we could do is like waive your out-of-state tuition, but I got a full ride at Missoula. So I went to school there, hated it, and then decided that I was just going to go be an auctioneer went to work at Ritchie Brothers between my junior and senior year of college. And that whole time I was like, all I wanted to do was head steers. That is yeah. all I wanted to do was head steers. I wanted to make the finals so bad. Like that was that was it just mm-hmm. head steers rope big horns i'd had the opportunity to rope with jake a little bit barnes and and just wanted to be around it and then i've always been good at positioning that's like i would say that that's like another gift is the positioning side of things i figure things out and i ended up at allen box place in mineral wells texas i quit my the probably the greatest job i've ever had at richie brothers auctioneers mm-hmm. 
could probably be retired at 42 if I'd have stuck that one out, but rodeo got in the way. And yeah. so ended up at Al Box Place, swapped from heading to healing because my head number was high enough where I couldn't, I couldn't go play. I had to go rodeo, so I started healing. But I lived at Allen's and then just like got around, got in this industry and through Allen met the guys at Helomatic and yeah. like that's how it all started. Then that's the story that led to here. Like I was not, I didn't know anything about this industry. Yeah. You know, not, none at all. My parents didn't know anything about this industry. We've just kind of picked it up as we went, I guess. You know? So uh, now you worked for Helomatic for, mm-hmm. for a while. What was, what was your position there? So I worked at Helomatic. I started, I think, in 2007. So I was about 20. Yeah, that's when I started with them, 2006 or 2007. Uh, started with Helomatic. Colt Bergman was running the company mm-hmm. at the time, but before that, and then his brother Chip took it over. I went yeah. to work for Chip. I'd put on some ropings with Colt. So all through that, I was always announcing for cash. Like yeah. that was my side jam just to get enough to enter the next roping. Yeah. So... Uh, was announcing went to work for Helomatic and that was a lot of fun man that was that was probably one of my favorite times in my 20s for sure was working for Helomatic uh me and another guy invented the ground driven trainer we were down in Texas one of one of Colt's guys had one that was ground driven and we took his idea went down to Texas to Victoria Texas worked all day welded a bunch of stuff up made the first ground driven trainer and then we also the same guy and I invented the bones head and dummy mm. and like it was it was good not very many people know that but every time I see a bones I'm like that's my dummy hey uh I sent a, a video to you and Miles the other day I was heading the bones just yeah. just so we all and and I think it was actually one of the first bones like it's all hard plastic yeah like the hard plastic the foam ones came that the, yeah. the 2.0s were not my deal the first hard plastic one and it was it was funny. I got to tell you a quick story about this because it, it's just funny how it all works. So, Jake Barnes, you've roped around Jake. Back in the day, it was three string bales, big horns. Yep. And if you're roping a two string bale, the head's going to be too close to the ground, so you had to prop it up so your tip works right. Yeah. Okay. So the Jake steer comes out, puts his name on it. It's low to the ground. I'm like Jake. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. So true. Anything for money. Hey, it's a rodeo world. Yeah. We get it, right? <laughs> so the Jake steer comes out. So I'm and everybody put a four by four. Yep. Screw the I was four just gonna say. Four. I think I've seen Jake's and it had a four by four on it. I guarantee it. it had a four by four on it. Yeah. Guaranteed. Horn wraps and a four by four. Yeah. So we're at Helomatic. I'm like, guys, we need a head and dummy. I wanted to have my own head and dummy. Like yep. that was the deal. I was like, I want to make a head and dummy. So go down to Texas with Wayne Lejeune. Fly down. And the old the the plastic bones head and dummy is rounded in the back, and it's because mm. we used a medicine ball. We fiberglassed a medicine ball, gotcha. big medicine ball, and we took the head and neck from a helomatic. Yep. And we just fiberglassed it all together, and then we kind of cut the hip shape out, put a handle in the back, and so on. So we get done with it. And this, if I'm lying, I'm dying. We get done with this mold, and it looks good, but it's all fiberglass. It's the very first one, we're so proud of it. We're like, man, we're going to send it to the tool company. I said, but before we do, we need to grab a Jake steer. And and they happen to have a Jake steer at this guy's place. So we grab yeah. the Jake steer off the rack, and we set it on the ground. We set it right next to the bones. They are exactly the same height. And I'm like, no, no. This is like, I yeah. couldn't believe. I'm not kidding. You could have put a level on it. The horns really? were, and it was just dumb luck. And I'm like, well, 
Now what are we going to do? We grabbed a two by four. We cut it two by four or two by six. We cut it. We put it on the bottom of the mold. So if you look at a plastic bones head and dummy, you'll see that it goes down. And at the bottom, about four inches, it kind of ripples out and then goes yeah. down again. It's because it was the same exact height as a Jake steer. We had to add that that that's, that that's dimension awesome. on the bottom. And because, like I said, we were so proud when we set it next to the Jake steer. I'm like, no, no, sir. not happening, not happening. Put a two by six under it or two by four, whatever, and casted it up again. And then we're like, well, it's got the ripples in it. We're like, we don't care. We're leaving it. And it still does today so it's like it's like the story of elon musk when he was so happy and and present that new vehicle and he's like it's <laughs> it's uh it's bulletproof and he it's takes a break and throws it through the window <laughs> yeah you're like oh he was can you imagine his feeling in oh. front of and it, that's not in front of just that crowd that's in front of the world and he's like well <laughs> we're gonna get a return on failure on this one yeah right I'm go back to the drawing board absolutely that was funny absolutely but it's 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 cool to hear these stories because i mean i had no idea i knew that you were involved in the bones but i mean it's it's kind of fun to see where it's it's gotten to now and that you had a hand in that you know it's that's one of those like silent deals because you could walk out here and there's a bunch of them yeah you know? and it's it's fun to just know silently that had a lot to do with that yeah the ground driven trainer was the other one that was pretty cool um colt bergman's guy jeremy up in cheyenne he made the very first one he made it out of drill stem welded it to like two and three eighths drill stem for yeah. the runners and then he put a pulley on it because back then um uh hot heels was beating mm -hmm. our pants off not because they were a better machine but because they didn't break down yeah and we had ours was battery powered oh so with the solar panels you know you remember those yep. and had the solar well the more more mechanical stuff you have and the more you combine that with team ropers yeah the more stuff you have go wrong constantly absolutely so we were sending out literally like i think it was like 200 grand a year in replacement parts Eesh. for all for our rheostats that dialed made them hop slower and faster and the solar panels and all this stuff and so we're like man we have got to get rid of that Re revenue uh profitability zero yeah like, so flatline yeah terrible so we we hot heels was killing us yep. we knew they were killing us we didn't we as a healer i, I don't like roping hot heels and i'm not just saying that because i'm partial like al bach was behind the helomatic they had a healer invent the helomatic or or make it better where the mm -hmm. hop was legit where you could time the hips and the feet if whatever you wanted to look at so then we took that and we we took jeremy's idea he had one pulley and i said man we need to have we need to have a faster hop and a slower hop because when i'm riding a colt i want to be able to just go at a trot but i don't want it hopping so slow i can't swing my rope yeah so we put three different pulleys on it the big pulley made it hop the fastest the middle pulley is what you'd use 90 percent of the time and then if you wanted to practice roping like real fast hard running bfi cattle mm. You'd put it on the slowest pulley so your driver could go real fast, but you could still stay in time with it like a big steer that was kind of opening up. Yeah. And we did that. It was made out of square tubing back then. It kind of rattled around. And then we got with a company there out of Longmont, Colorado that bent all of our tubing and cleaned it all up. And now that's the number one machine that Helomatic sells is the ground-driven trainer. So that's, that's awesome. That stuff's fun. Like, you know, yeah. like I said, it's that's no ego involved, but it is kind of cool. Yeah. It's kind of cool to be like, to, to know well, you had a little hand in the industry that nobody knows about. Me and Phil were just talking about this, you know, that it, it's successful people like to see other people's successes. Absolutely. And to know that you had a part in that, it makes you feel good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I see a lot of, you know, you see the other side of the spectrum where people are, you know, dogging on somebody, oh, they had a free handout or whatever. But, you know, 
people that work at it are going to be successful. Absolutely. And, and, and I like celebrating other people's successes. We do that every, every week at the office is celebrate other people's successes. And so it's, it's awesome to hear. But, you know, when I, when I think about you these days, you know, you've always been that techie guy. Like you've always had the GoPro on your, on your hat or, you know, you're always, you're always trying to, well, just, just get your story across where it's relatable and put people in situations. Like, is that just something you inherited or is that something that like you had a mindset like, Hey, I just want to, I want to bring people into what I'm actually doing and feeling. You know, I, I don't know. That's a really, well, that's a deep one, pal. Um, the why behind that is uh so everybody knows out there Josie and I have had deep conversations over the course of the last years that's for sure but this the why on that stuff you know so the YouTube stuff the GoPro stuff I wanted to be the first guy with the GoPro for some reason the technology camera stuff I always just kind of been drawn to I don't really Mm -hmm. know why I liked it but what I really wanted to do is okay here, here it is. I haven't thought about this in a long time, but this is the truth. So I went to work in there kind of in the middle somewhere. I went and worked with Chris Cox, and I did video for him and helped him on his marketing. Never mm-hmm. taken a marketing class in my life, just FYI. I have no yeah. idea. Like every time somebody uses a marketing term or whatever, i got to go Google what it means because I don't know. Well, once again, diving in and figuring stuff out, there's nothing that will teach you more than on-the-job training. A, a guaranteed. Yep. Guaranteed. So I went down to Chris's and was helping him with video and, and like I said, the marketing side of things. And here's a guy that has never won a futurity, never never won anything in the show horse world other than road to the horse. Mm-hmm. You know, the best colt guy, trouble horse guy I've ever been around, hands down. Mm-hmm. Close friend. I, I mean, I put Chris Cox against anybody in the world. I've seen him do some stuff with horses that I didn't even know you could do with horses. He's but, a pretty cool cat, too. And he's a cool cat. Yeah. He's a cool cat. And so I was like, well, and I just listened to him talk. He came from nowhere. He, you yeah. know, he didn't have, he didn't have anybody show him how to be a clinician. He just went and became a clinic. You know what I mean? He yeah. just went and did it. And so I was like, well, I grew up with you know clay and travis trying and those guys that were just the baddest cats in the world mm-hmm. and those guys up there and so i was i was always kind of self-conscious about the roping because i never achieved i didn't make the high school finals you know i made the college finals in the calf rope and i never really did anything with my roping but i i i wanted to teach people how to rope and i have a knack i think for being able to see things and break things down. Mm-hmm. So truth be told, if I had my druthers in the world, I would be a team roping clinician. To this day at 41 years old, that's what I would do. I would teach people to rope. If I could pick my job, I would teach people to rope. There's yeah. nothing I love more. And so I was like, you know what? YouTube's kind of fresh. I kind of understood marketing a little bit. So I got drewstew.com and I got facebook.com slash drew stew and i got youtube.com slash drew stew this is a long time ago before anybody was doing it yeah and i'm like i'm gonna put these videos out here and i'm gonna use these three platforms and i'm gonna kick them out and i bought a gopro before gopro was is gopro one i still yeah. have the very first gopro I was the first guy to put to put i was watching speed williams was doing his deal and I'm yeah like, i'm gonna come out and i'm gonna match speed and ricky green yep and that's what i'm gonna do and started doing those videos and just and it was fun i had a guy yesterday come i haven't put a video up in like 
five years or seven years or something I, something crazy and he's like man i watch all your videos and i'm like what videos and they're like how do you even find them now you not know? updated ones anyways. yeah there's no updated one they'd be terrible if i was teaching guys if i had to go rope to teach people now it'd be horrible but uh so that was the deal and chris the mentality that i learned from chris is that you can do it you don't have to be you don't have to hold a gold buckle yeah. And I've always hated that deal that those that don't do teach, those that don't do coach. Well, you're right. Tiger Woods Tiger Woods had a swing coach that's never played on tour. Okay. But that guy had a knack of teaching the best guy in the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Tim Grover never played professional basketball, but he taught the best guys in the world how to do it. It's relaying a message. And I'm gonna tell you, I've I've had I've got close friends, I'm not gonna name drop here. But I do have multiple friends that are in the team roping world. I mean, you talk about, you know, I've had, you know, multiple NFR qualifications, world championships, you know, horses of the year. Obviously, they're a good horseman. Um, and we've had this conversation. They're intimidated to, to eventually give rodeo up because they don't know how to get their message across. Mm-hmm. And I said, I told him, I says, you know, I says, work on that. You need to start working on that. You have mastered this craft. Obviously, you got to still work at it mm-hmm. to to be one of the best. But start working on you. Yep. Start working on crafting. You know, a something that will will create financial freedom for you after rodeo. Because that's the biggest deal I see in in these rodeo guys is that when rodeo's done, they've spent so much time at that, and not all of them, but a, lot, a good portion a lot of, of them, them, that that they don't have anything set up. But the team roping industry is getting so big right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just took a picture with Kojo, mm-hmm. Cody Johnson. Yep. I mean, come on now. Like, yeah. th- this guy, he, he didn't start roping until, what, a few years a few ago? A few years ago, yeah. You know, but he has a passion for it. Loves it. And, and, you know, I mean, anybody can come into this world, but Kojo needs guys like that yep. to, to teach them. Yep. Learn how to get your message across. Yep. Because you can learn how to do anything if you put yourself in the right rooms. Yep. Absolutely. Right? And absolutely. And I'm like, I, I it I mean, do do you teach some of these guys how to how to relay that message and, and what you do? Because you're really good at it. You know what's you know what's funny is like I at forty one years old, I, I'm I feel like I'm still struggling to like find my place in the world. I don't know if it's a midlife crisis or what, but like what you know, what am I supposed to be doing? And it's funny you say that because I've been talking to you and I follow a lot of the same people. Mm-hmm. You know, we 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 are con- like you just said here before we turn the microphones on. You're working on your business, not in your business. Mm-hmm. I've been I at 41. I I get stuck in InDesign and Photoshop working in my business every day, and not stepping out and doing exactly what these guys are doing. They're working they're working in their business on heeling steers, head and steers, riding Bronx, whatever they're doing. They're yeah. not working on their business. And you look at guys like what Joe B's doing right now, what Luke Branquino's doing right now. They're stepping out. They're taking that next step. I mean, Joe's been doing it for quite a while now, but Joe's one of the best public speakers there is right now in our industry. Luke Branquino's learning how to do it very, very well. Luke and I talk about it all the time. And they're, you know, they're not doing clinicians, but they're at least they're on the Cowboy Channel. Mm-hmm. They're at the NFR. They're doing that stuff, and they're taking. What's Luke going to do after Bulldog and Steers? Yeah. What's Joe going to do after Open Calves? Yeah, they're doing. They're taking that next well, step. And, they've they've laid the template out in other sports. Absolutely. I mean, look at the NFL. Look absolutely. at look at baseball, basketball. Look mm-hmm. at the PBR. The mm-hmm. PBR took a note out of those guys' book. 
Yep. You Absolutely. know, I mean, Absolutely. all these guys, they know, they know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. They've done it. Why not have somebody behind the, the mic that actually knows what they're talking about? I mean, look at you. Yeah. I mean, well, well, we take, I think what we need to do, it, it, it's funny because it, it's funny how things work, right? The Lord mm-hmm. works in mysterious ways. So been having these conversations about taking these guys and helping them get to that next step. Who's doing that? Yeah. They don't need an agent. They don't need an agent dicking with sponsors for mm. 1500 bucks or 10000 I don't. I'm not going to be that guy. Don't want to be that guy. Yeah. What I would love to do is come and help you with your current partnerships, help you learn to talk, help you when you click a microphone on to be able to convey that message. Mm-hmm. And you're right. that And it's tough. That's a hard thing to do. You yeah. flip them. You just... You flip this switch right here, and a guy's brain turns off. <laughs> you know it, and I know it. When you know, I I think back at uh, I'll take I'll take Caleb Bennett for for instance. I started traveling. Well, Caleb started traveling with me when he was when he was younger, and I took him for a little while. And uh, he asked me the question one time. He says, he says you just go out and just talk to everybody. He says, like, you, like, soon as you're done riding, he says, like, you'll try to go to a sponsor booth or, you know, you always taking interviews or something. He said, why do you do that? He's like, I says, dude, I says, you never know who you're talking to. But I says, this is a short-lived game that we're in. And I says, I want to meet everybody that I possibly can while I'm out here because one day I'm going to be done doing this. And I want to know everybody that I possibly can. She, uh, Jojo here just said, wow, you know a lot of people. I said, yeah, yeah. I do because I've spent the time to, to meet them. Yep. And, uh, and so I would say that to the younger generation coming up, don't pass on autographs. Don't pass on going to sponsor booths when you're in uh, airports or traveling, wherever you're at, take the time to meet people. Absolutely. Because now I'm in the business world yep. and I didn't get rich from rodeoing. Mm-hmm. I promise you that. And I'm not rich right now, mm-hmm. but I do well. Yeah. And I will say that my business is more successful from the contacts that I've made because I've I've stayed in touch mm-hmm. and I've I've uh, I've nurtured those yeah. leads and created a relationship with these people. And people want to help other people that want to give back. Absolutely, absolutely. When I was in the Helomatic era, so 27 to probably 32, I made the decision at that point. I said, all right, by the time I'm 40, I want to be the most hooked up guy in the Western industry. Mm-hmm. And I didn't go announce rodeos. Of course, I wish. I mean, I had a great opportunity when, when my friend Carl was commissioner and you know had other great opportunities to get in and go announce and could have probably pursued that a little bit. But I didn't want to just stay in the rodeo deal. So I went and announced barrel racings, and I got in with the cutters really deep in the, in the mm. cutting horse. I remember deal. that. Yeah, still, still, this will be the first year that I haven't announced a bunch of cuttings in yeah. like 15 years. Yeah. Every year I usually announce about five big futurities, and I got a call the other day from, from one in Texas, the one that Taylor Sheridan bought, to go and announce their deal, and I can't do it, and I kind of want to just because those are long days, man, yeah. announcing cuttings. But the whole deal was... I wanted to I wanted to be able to sit down in a room with guys like Ricky Bolin, yourself, Robert Lever, Carl, Ariat, Cinch, whoever it was. Yeah. I wanted to be able to sit in a room with them. And when they said, Hey, what are the cutters doing? I could tell them what they're doing. 
yeah. I could tell them what kind of horses they're riding, like you know what's hot right now, mm-hmm. what they're what pads they're putting, what kind of boots they're riding on their horses, what kind of boots they're riding themselves. Absolutely. You know, why are those guys predominantly wearing American versus resist all or whatever, and what's the reason? Because yeah. there's a reason. It's all relationship based, but there's a reason. Yeah, and. So what the cutters are doing, what the barrel racers are doing, what the team ropers are doing, you know, what are the high school kids doing from announcing the high school finals? It wasn't about announcing. It was never about announcing, ever. It was at first. But from 30 years old to today, it has not been about announcing one bit. It's been using, it's been selling myself for 500 a day or 1,000 a day or whatever to simply get around the people. Yeah. That's what it's about, to do exactly what you're talking about. Go in that canteen up there after the BFI and know every person in the room. Yeah. That's what it's about. And that doesn't mean I've ever called on them, but someday maybe I will. Yeah. I may have to. I may need to. Or you may need to be introduced to that guy. Yeah. And that's where, you know, and they're friends. It's, it's, they're friends. I'm friends with them. We sit down and have cocktails. They're not just business associates. Yeah. They're friends. Absolutely. And that's what it's about. And they, and they, they, they know that they know that, that you're going to, you're going to take care of them, not use them. And, and, uh, that's, that's the great thing. So if I had any advice for, you know, people, rodeo owner, young, young people coming up, that would be, that would be it for sure. So, um, you, what do you do when you're not behind the mic? I, uh, and behind Photoshop and InDesign and Illustrator and Premiere and After Effects all day, every day, editing. Yeah. That's And that's what I'm trying to get away from. Because yeah. it's not what I'm good at, and I don't enjoy it. In your perfect world, what would you do all week, all day? Podcast. Oh, and teach people to rope. You're in the right spot, buddy. This is what I would do. Yeah. This is Honestly, this is what I would do. I... Um, I you know, watch a lot of Joe Rogan, not because of topics, but of what he does. I watch a yeah. lot of Ed Milet. I watch a, I, Andy Frazella. Sit like you and I could go down the list mm. of people that we follow, and I love that space. I love this. This you know, is my favorite thing to do. What we're doing right now is my favorite thing in the world to do. You know who I got to meet the other day? Huh. The OG John C. Maxwell. You did? Yeah. The literal OG. Dude, that guy... Is amazing. Mm-hmm. He's so amazing. That's so cool. He he talked about return on failure. Mm-hmm. I mean, people, our listeners are probably gonna get sick of me talking about this, but it was so impactful. Mm-hmm. You know, because all of us business owners are in there, and he's like, "Y'all heard of ROI?" He's like, "I want to talk about ROF." ROF. And we're like, "Oh crap." I thought I knew it all. Thought I knew all the yeah. the acronyms. All, all the ba- all the all the buzz. Yeah. yeah. Thought I knew the acronyms, but he said return on failure. You know, he says people he told one story um about when he was, you know, a pastor forever mm-hmm. and uh his his church become very successful and he did a uh, a clinic for other pastors that were wanting to build their churches and how they did it and he took he took three other pastors to speak at this convention and he was going to be the last one. And he says, all three of these guys talked about how, how they were successful and how they did it and all their wins and blah, blah, blah. And he says it was good. The first one was good. The people were into it, but second and third, the people are sitting in the crowd going like they, they're deflated. They're like, Oh, that's great. You know? And he realized that these people don't want to hear about the wins because they don't relate. Yeah. He says, 
I switched my whole talk up and he says, I spent a full hour and a half talking about all my failures in life. And they knew that he was a very successful guy. And they're like, wow, if this guy can fail this many times and still this be this successful, I have hope. It's how he, he rebounded from those failures and what he used to actually propel him forward. So, Um, so I started Drew Stew marketing, I don't know, four or five years ago had, I was, I was the VP of marketing for big companies, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the biggest in our industry and was able to retain them as clients afterwards and basically went, I didn't file for bankruptcy, but in all intent purposes went bankrupt. Yeah. It's still there, but I'm not doing it. Completely failed. Completely. Financially, mentally lost one of my best friends who's working for you now. I mean, we're, thank God we're back to normal again, but you want to talk about like, couldn't pay my bills, couldn't pay my help, had to fire one of my best pals, like thought I was doing it. Well, and this is, this is what I really, I really admire about you is that you're not, you're not too proud to admit this kind of stuff. Oh man. I mean, this is, this is a, this is a deep topic, but you know, I, I'd actually, I think I'd called you and said, Hey, I need to find, yeah. you know, somebody on my, you did. on my digital side and, and, uh, graphic design. And mm-hmm. I think I had all intent to want to bring you on or something. And, and you said, you know what? I got a guy. And that's when you told me about Lane. He was, my, he was my main guy. He was in, and he is so talented. And so the hardest it almost brings tears to my eyes. Like, I don't like this. This is tough. Yeah. We, my wife and I went in, COVID hits, I, I overextended myself on salaries and some stuff, you know, paying mm-hmm. him and some other guys because I, I, I am a true believer in paying people what they're worth and seeing their value. And we had some things happen and it just kind of bit me in the ass and, uh, COVID hit. So I was making all of my money for my, my wife and I from announcing mm-hmm. my Drew studio. And we were doing like half a million bucks a year, but we were kicking back all the time and paying our help good and trying to, trying to invest in the business all the time. And then it just kind of, some things, I lost a huge contract. We, we had, I didn't lose it. We mutually made an agreement to remain friends with a company instead of burn bridges in this industry, which is way too hard to do. There's no money value in the world that is higher than relationships mm-hmm. in, my, in my book. And so there we sat and my wife and I, my wife's in tears. I got one of my best pals and I'm like, I got to let you go. It's the hardest fucking day of my life. Excuse my language. Yeah. But it was the worst feeling reliving that, but it made me better in so many ways. It made me pay more attention to what I'm doing. Mm. It made me appreciate people like Lane and I, Lane, after that, we still work together and I vowed that I would make Lane more. This is what Lane doesn't know. I vowed that I would make him more money than he ever did working for me. Mm-hmm. I made it a point to tell Dan Wall to hire him, to make sure Cammy hired him, to make sure that you hired him like that because I felt like I owed it to that kid. He yeah. moved to Oklahoma. He bought a place. Yeah. He didn't buy a place. Who the hell moves to Oklahoma? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Joe was like, oh. Joe Joe's over here with her hand but, in the air. Uh, I was like, you know, like he he bought a house. He trusted me with his yeah. whole life. He yep. he trusted me with his whole life, and I let him down. Yeah, and man, it was hard. But 
it is what it is. You know, yeah. we had had our twins at that point. Our twins came three months early. We just got done paying it. We had great insurance, but still cost me a hundred thousand. Yeah. The, the insurance bill was over a million bucks. Wow. You know, so it cost us, we just got done paying that. So everything hit that was at the same time. Mm. We had all of this stuff hit and it was just like, I mean, just felt completely like, dude, you screwed up. Yeah. You screwed up so bad. Like, and that was tough. And I mean, there's still, the scars are still healing on that deal, you know. But there, there's there's two different kinds of people in this world. You know, when they go through these these trials and these tribulations, you know, there's always somebody out there, if you always keep this in mind, that has something worse going on in their life. Guaranteed. And you either let this make you or they you let it break you. Yep. And yep. I'm very convinced that you're, you're letting it make you. Yeah. And you, you got to keep it, and and it's okay. You know, I know me and you have had uh, deep conversations. You and I had a conversation. I can't. I was driving through somewhere. I, I don't know where I was, but I remember I was driving over train tracks when I had called you. This was just a few months ago. When, it, when, yeah. When I was like, that was kind of in the middle. Like stuff was coming back up, and I I can't remember what the conversation. I was asking you. I think like, what do I do with my life, Josie? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a mess. You know. Well, but, and and you talk about things happening in your life, mm-hmm. and you know. You know, it was right when I was so deep into the first part of this journey of me, you know, actually gaining these uh, mentors that Mm -hmm. are successful in the business world and have such a a profound um, mindset. Mm -hmm. And when you called me, I was able to relay that message on to you. And like I, I, as a friend, felt extremely proud when I got off the phone. I was like, there's there's not only one reason I'm doing this there's other reasons Mm -hmm. and I I can pass this stuff on to my buddies that need this advice and need this help and so I'm happy to know that we're you know we're going up absolutely you know we're we're getting to the top of the mountain yeah I tell you what I want I want to I want to take you down another road so this is going to be real self-serving right now but I want to I want to tell you about another thing that I did with a friend of mine this past year and for anybody that's listening to this there's a reason and it's uh to make people step out mm. Com- like you think you're stepping out of your box and want you to really step out of your box so i had a friend of mine that has ms he's he's a super close friend of mine he's in his mid-50s he started running ultra trail runs and started doing these crazy whatever and you know i was 270 pounds two years ago yeah and he's like hey i want you to come run 10 miles with me at this trail run in Huntsville, Texas, last Fe- not this February, last February. And I'm like, okay, 10 miles. I hadn't ran a, like a mile since high school, <laughs> since wrestling, right? And I'm like, okay. And then leading up to it, it's like three weeks before the race, and I'm like, gosh dang. So I went and the longest run I'd run was 14 miles at the time, and I about died. Yeah. Fast forward, I ran 900-some miles last year. 800-some miles, ran 900, and I ran 100K, which is 62 miles, February 5th of this year. Yeah. So I just, just my last toenail just fall it fell off a couple of days ago. <laughs> true speed, true speed, and ran. I'd never entered a foot race in my life. I've never ran uh, a marathon. I've never ran a half marathon. I mean, I ran that many distances on my own, but I'd never done it. Yeah, I ran sixty-two miles. I won third my age division, twenty-third out of one hundred and twenty-six race or one hundred and thirty-six racers, and it was the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my entire life. Yeah. And 
the reason I wanted to bring that up is because that was like one of those things. A guy has got to win once in a while. Mm -hmm. You have got to win once in a while. That was a win for me. There was nobody else pushing me. There was nobody that made me go down to Huntsville in the middle of an ice storm and run 62 freaking miles. Like, who does that? Yeah. And to go and achieve those things that nobody ever, I was the fattest kid in the world two years ago, and to go and do that, the reason I even want to bring that up, you can watch all the all the YouTube videos or whatever you want to do, the David Goggins, whatever, go do it. Mm-hmm. Go do it. Put yeah. your money where your mouth is. Step out there and quit being scared and go do something freaking hard. Yeah. And it makes this other stuff so much easier. Mm-hmm. And and I just wanted to say that not because, it, like, yeah, I'm proud of it for sure. But what I gained from that was more than any of the negative stuff of my business failing or whatever. It show it proved to myself that I can do hard stuff and I can do stuff that I've never thought in a million years I could do. You can achieve these things, and the only person holding people, it's so cliche. The only person holding you back is yourself. Well, damn right. Exactly. I mean, yeah. It's cliche, but guess what? It's true. It's true. Yeah. It's 100% true. Can I be the next Bob Costas of the rodeo world if I'd allow myself to? Yeah. One of my mentors that I follow all the time and, and, and do business with now is uh his one of his sayings and we say it every morning after our our morning meeting what you think is what you say what you say is what you do and what you do becomes your legacy mm-hmm. and i i i tell everybody in the organization listen to that listen to what that means mm-hmm. because the mind is so powerful oh man and it's algor i can't even say the the word algorithmic how do you say that? Al- okay. So now algorithm, now. algorithmic. Yeah. See exactly. <laughs> That's not right. Your mind, your yes. mind is an algorithm. Yes. And it and it and it remembers the things that is put into it mm-hmm. because that's what comes out. That's mm-hmm. what comes out of your mouth. That's what comes out of your actions. Mm-hmm. And you know we we all have the ability to change our thoughts and our actions. It just has to be put into action, just like you said. You've got to do it. Yeah, you've got to go do it. And you, you know the other thing that that deal taught me, and you, it, and it doesn't matter if it's in business. So, the running deal for me put everything into light with my business and everything mm-hmm. because you don't go, you don't start off running four miles. You start off by running a quarter mile and walking the rest. Yeah, for a mile. That's yeah. how you start. And then you end up running three miles, and then you end up running four miles, and then you finally get to a nine-miler, and then you get to an 18-miler, and then you, whatever, you build up over this time. Mm-hmm. I was at the point at 41 years older, I was like, man, they lowered my number to a six elite. I've been a seven head or eight healer my whole life, and now I'm a six. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to get any better at anything. Like, you know you know how yeah. our minds are full of the devil all the time, yeah. right? And I'm like, I'm never going to be able to get any better at anything what what last year taught me is that I can do it you know the old brick by brick deal I was doing yep. if you seriously live by that and just do the little things daily and let it add up and tell yourself I can mm-hmm. and and be it's okay to be proud of yourself mm-hmm. I'm the hardest guy in the world on me just like you're the hardest guy in the world on you you know you don't and I and, I will add one more thing to that too is that it is extremely important to surround yourself around people that make you better. Absolutely. Because, you know, 
you, you hear that saying, uh, you know, you hang around three millionaires, you're going to be the fourth. If you hang around three losers, you're going to be the fourth. Yep. That is, that is extremely true. And, you know, I know that there's people out there like, Oh, I'm just trying to help this person or whatever. You know what? Like, it's okay to help those people and talk to them, but do you, who do you spend the most of your time with? Mm -hmm. Because iron sharpens iron. We all know this, you know? Um, and it, I don't care what industry or world you're in, hang around people that make you better. Believe these words. If you're listening to this. Allow yourself to believe it. We've all heard it. Yeah. Believe it. It's true. Yeah. It's true. These people we hang out with, the guy that I started running with makes me a better person because he's a better person. Mm-hmm. The hanging, there's nothing wrong with hanging out with the next level or trying to be there. Mm-hmm. You don't, I, I, I couldn't agree more, but we get caught in that trap of, like you say, oh, I want to help, I want to help this person or that level or whatever great a broke guy never helped anybody yeah you know i mean i hate to say and, it like that and if i could add one more thing to this is some people are afraid of what other people think or i would say the majority of people are afraid of what other people think they want to appease somebody else but something that i learned from guys that i really i really study and aspire to be like is sit down with a pen and paper and just think to yourself what is your purpose what is it that you want to do what are your goals your ambitions and your targets and when you write those goals and your targets down and your purpose in life and then make a line on the piece of paper and then write down the list of people that you spend the most of your time with Mm -hmm. and then when you look at those people are they a contributor to you accomplishing that goal or are they a hindrance and I'm gonna tell you what, my list got deleted after I did that. Bit. I was like, "Oh crap! I got about, I got about two people on here that I can keep on here, and the rest need need to go." I'm, I'm still their friend, yeah. but I want to be an example. Absolutely. Because I'm gonna tell you, I've I've screwed up in this life bigger than anybody, but I have the ability to move forward and make things better. And you can recognize it. Mm-hmm. You can recognize it. I had a guy, John Baxter coach of football he's the highest paid special teams coach of football he's was at usc his last any coach for harbaugh at michigan he's at fresno right now and he'll retire from fresno here in a couple of years and he's went through all the franklin covey stephen r covey all of that strategic training mm-hmm. all that stuff did it years and years ago and and he him and i about two years ago we sat down and i'd never done my core values or my personal constitution and that exercise that we went through, this is a guy who coaches men every single day. And he drew, we were like up till three o'clock in the morning going through this. And the same deal that you're talking about. Yeah. We got what about nine core values of what is the most important thing to me. And then how do the other people in your life line up against those? What is your personal constitution? Mm. He made me write a letter to my boys for them when they were 18 and all of these promises in there. And I tell you what, it grabs you in the feels. It makes you think about it. Wow. And that process right there was one of the, like, he. I talked to him three times during that run, during that 100K race. He called me, check in, and the one thing he kept saying is, remember that letter to your boys where you promised you were going to be healthy? You going to quit? Hell no, I'm not going to quit. Mm. My feet were going to fall off. I was bleeding out my toes. I ain't going to quit. Yeah. Because I promised these boys, I promised myself something. And doing those exercises that I bet I bet you and I are probably two out of 
couple hundred people here today that have done it. Mm-hmm. Not very many people go through those personal exercises and do that. And the reason they don't is because it's hard. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to admit some things that you really need to admit to yourself. It's hard for people to put their ego aside. Buddy, it's the ego. thing in the world. I, hey, I, I had difficulty with it. I'm alpha, I'm alpha male all I'm the an way. I'm announcer. I own this. Yeah. I've got the biggest – all of us guys the, have egos. The, the the guy you're just talking about, though, your friend, that's when you know somebody's a friend. Yep. They hold you accountable. Yep. Right? Yep. Accountability is huge. Yep. And there's not a lot of people that are uh, – are, you know, there's so many people that want to see you fail. Yeah. yeah. The people that hold you accountable and, and, and make sure that you get up and make sure that you win, those are your friends. Absolutely. Create 100%. And that yeah. list gets short. The older you get, sure if – if I could tell you the things that I haven't done, like my, I, I got 13,000 followers on YouTube or whatever, and then I quit doing it, you know, I quit yeah. doing it because I was worried about what the guys with gold buckles thought. Yeah. The truth be told. Yeah, who cares? No, truth be told. That's why I quit. But you're the one behind this thing. You own this. I own this right here. I got this. This is the one thing I know I got, <laughs> you know. Drew, I mean, I wish I wish we could keep going for like, I mean, we could we could roll on for hours upon hours. I always enjoy talking to you, man. You're a dear friend to me, and I just can't wait to have more and more conversations with you. And we need to talk about a maybe a maybe a group side podcast or something. Something, huh? Let's roll. Let's roll. I think it'd be good. I I always like those podcasts where there's a group of them, Mm -hmm. you know, just throwing stuff back and forth. So I think that'd be awesome. But what I want the listeners to take away from today is is the mind is so powerful. You know, there's things in life that are going to scare you. Um, don't care what other people think. Write down your purpose. Write down your goals, and and go after them. Mm-hmm. Take the first step to move forward. Drew, how do they how do they follow you on a daily basis? Well, I I would tell you Facebook, but I got kicked off. Are you, oh, you're in jail. Uh, no, 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 no. Oh, kicked off. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and say this, and if anybody takes this further than than it should, so I got kicked off for child pornography. <laughs> okay yeah so there there goes there goes there goes There's, the podcast <laughs> so three o'clock in the morning right, yeah thanks for coming in jojo can you edit this yeah so I, I wake up in the morning and i go to check my facebook this is right before my race uh-huh. and and it said that due to our facebook policies you've been kicked out well it's a hack it's a hack they go in and i don't know how they do it but they they hack your account, whatever. They close you down for that, and yeah. then they say your account's going to be disabled in thirty days. They ran up a whole bunch of money on my on my on my uh, ad accounts, yeah. like six hundred bucks in my ad accounts. And so I got the money back and everything, but they they shut down my Facebook. And so literally, I have a string of sixty emails. I emailed them yesterday because I'm so I had five thousand just personal friends on there yeah. plus all my business stuff on there, mm-hmm. and um, it's all gone. They completely deleted me off of Facebook and Instagram, and I can't get my account back. TikTok, here we come. I have never, I've made like one TikTok video ever, so TikTok, Snapchat. Actually, TikTok's maybe more up your alley than any of them. Mm -hmm. The videos, the the, uh, music and stuff, it's actually, it's, I find myself on TikTok a little more these days. So, I think that's where I'm going to have to go, you know, my my old videos and stuff, uh, youtube.com slash drewstew, but right now on Facebook, you can't find me. Yeah, there's nothing on Facebook, so I'm gonna. It's gonna be YouTube right now. Well, so. you're you're fixing to blow up in a new angle, anyways. So, um, you know, you guys all know his voice if you go to any big groupings across the country, and it's an honor to have you on the show. We appreciate you being here today, buddy. Well, thanks, pal. Thanks yeah, for having me. Absolutely. So until next time, guys, we appreciate you listening in uh, to this episode of Tack Room Talk. Until next time, adios. <laughs>